Hello, and welcome to You Philosopher. So today, let's talk about impeachment. Uh, first, we're just going to kind of go over what it means very briefly, and then we're going to talk about what are some of the philosophical problems with it. Uh, those philosophical problems are going to specifically focus on the fact that impeachment is a political process and not a legal one. In other words, impeachment really has nothing to do with the law, has nothing to do with going to a criminal court. Being impeached does not mean um, that you would uh, go uh, to prison or anything like that. It is a purely political process. And so one thing that should be made clear uh, straight from the outset then is, is that being impeached does not mean that one is uh, going to go to prison or something like that. Now, theoretically, it could eventually lead to that but we'll get there. So the basics are simply this. Impeachment just means that, in this case, the president, right, we're talking about the impeachment of Donald Trump, um, the president has been charged with certain kinds of crimes, but not by a criminal court, not by federal prosecutors, literally by Congress. So um, this, by the way, is a good thing. Uh, what I mean is, is that Congress has oversight over the executive branch, right? We have three branches of our government and they're all supposed to kind of keep an eye on each other. So one of Congress's main jobs is making laws, but another one of their main jobs is to make sure that the president doesn't do things that are out of line. And this is very important because this helps prevent dictatorship, right? It prevents us from returning to a monarchy, which is something we genuinely, by the way, have to worry about in general. Over, uh, over the over the centuries that our country has existed, we have kind of garnered more and more and more power to the executive branch, to the president, and Congress has been kind of losing power um, because the executive branch is so powerful that it's kind of had the ability to consolidate more power to itself. So one of the jobs of Congress is actually to kind of try and prevent that from happening and to make sure that um, the executive branch, not just the president, but <clears throat> that administration right, of the executive branch is in fact um, doing things the way that it's supposed to. So long story short, impeachment is not the removal of a president from office. So let me just say that again. Impeachment is not the removal of a pre president or a civil official like uh, the vice president could also be impeached. It is not, does not mean that that person has been removed from office. It means that Congress is charging that person with certain kinds of crimes, basically against that office and against the Constitution, such that now there will be a trial held, at which point that president, um, in this case Donald J. Trump, may or may not be found guilty. If he is found guilty, the result, the punishment, one might say, right, the result of the of being found guilty is being removed from office. And that's it. That's as far as it goes. Um, if they're found not guilty, then nothing changes. They continue in office as they were before. Um, being found guilty, notice you could be president in the United States and be found guilty of something very, very, very bad. Um, uh, say treason, for instance. Um, you would be removed from office through this, you're impeached, which means you're, you're being charged with treason. Um, and then you go to trial and then you're found guilty of treason, but that means you're removed from office, at which point the federal government might decide to legally, not politically, charge you with treason 
and you would go through a whole different kind of process that involves um, very possibly your execution. <laughs> so, okay, who's charging um, the president with the crime? Who's holding the trial, so on and so forth? Well, uh, Congress, our legislative branch, has two parts to it, one being the House of Representatives and one being the Senate. The House of Re Representatives, they're the ones who decide if um, the president or whoever it is that they're investigating has done something um, bad enough and something provable enough to charge them with the crime. In other words, to impeach them. To That's what it means to draw up articles of impeachment. It means that they have, they think that a, a crime has been committed and that there's enough evidence to prove that the crime has been committed and they've laid out that evidence in these articles in these articles of impeachment. So you can think about it kind of like, I don't know, something like the show Law and Order, right? You gotta catch the person, um, you've got to develop a case against that person, um, and if you have enough evidence, you can now charge them with the crime, and it moves now to the second half of the show, right? Um, at which point you have the trial. So the House of Representatives collects the information, and they, they might decide it's not, it's not worth impeaching the person, right? In other words, it's not worth charging them. And the same thing happens um, in, in legal uh, cases, right? Um, in criminal law. Uh, well, we think that they're probably guilty, but there's not enough evidence, so we're not gonna charge them with the crime. Notice being charged with the crime does not necessarily mean that the person is found guilty of the crime. It just means that you're being charged with it. Well, that's what impeachment is. It means you're being charged with that crime. So the House of Representatives levels the articles of impeachment against the president, and then the Senate holds the trial, and the Senate acts as the jurors um, of, of that trial as well. So this leads to a, a couple of important examples, one of which is um, Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton was impeached but not removed from office, right? Notice that he went his whole two terms. So being impeached does not mean that you are necessarily removed from office. What is, what is it called when you're removed from office? Removed from office. So impeachment is only the process of charging that person. Bill Clinton was charged with, um, I believe, obstruction of justice, um, lying, to, lying, uh, lying under oath. Um, and so it, he, he was not found guilty, however. Richard Nixon was never impeached. And that's where I think people get confused because they're like, but wasn't he removed from office? No. A, remember that removal from office is not impeachment. Removal from office is removal from office. Impeachment is charging the person with the crime that may result in them being found guilty and being removed from office. So Nixon didn't even make it to the process of being charged with the crime. He was not impeached. He left office, right? So he wasn't impeached, he wasn't, and then he was, he didn't go to trial and he wasn't removed from office, he simply stepped down. And he stepped down because the evidence against him was so strong that only not only was he going to be impeached, but his, his own colleagues in the Republican Party in Congress went to him and said, look, if this goes to trial, like when you're impeached and it goes to trial, we will find you guilty or too many people will find you guilty and you will be removed from office. So kind of to save face, he resigned. Um, so what is happening right now with Donald Trump is he has been impeached. Notice that does not mean that he's been removed from office. That means that Congress has basically said, the House of Representatives has said, is we think there's enough evidence, we've laid this evidence out 
for the Senate to conduct a trial to determine whether or not you should be removed from office, right? That's all that's happened. They've conducted a series of investigations, collected the evidence from those investigations, laid it out in a set of articles of impeachment. And normally what would happen is those articles of impeachment would then be sent to the Senate and the Senate would conduct a trial. Um, they and, and so here's where it gets interesting. Since it's a political process and not a legal process, um, the House of Representatives and the Senate basically decide what the rules are um, for how the process should go, right? There's some rules that are already set out, right? Like once um, the president is impe impeached by the House of Representatives, there must be a trial. So like the Senate can't just be like, nah, never mind. I mean, the, the Constitution basically lays out that there has to be a trial. So they know that, and they know for the removal of the president, a significant majority of uh, the senators would have to uh, vote to remove the president from office, right? So he'd have to be found guilty by this majority to be removed from office. Other than that, there's not all that much clarity. And, and for those of you, by the way, for those of you who like really know this process and know this process well, I apologize for the ways that I'm just kind of glossing over it. Um, but this is just right for the sake of, of just get kind of laying the basics out there so we can kind of look at where the problem is with it kind of being a political process. So one, there really aren't clear rules. So um, the House of Representatives can kind of decide, they have, now first of all, they have to take a vote to charge the president, to impeach the president in the first place, and it's gotta be this majority as well. Um, but like how many witnesses there would have to be and, and the, the way that that process actually works um, is kind of actually up to the House of Representatives to decide. Um, similarly, uh, this, the Senate will determine what that trial will look like. Like, will they be calling witnesses? How long will the trial take? So on and so forth. Okay, so um, that's why we're at a kind of interesting historical standpoint right now, which is, uh, the president has been impeached. So it, it's basically the equivalent of right now of uh, the House of Representatives, not the Senate, just the House of Representatives. So half of Congress saying to the president, shame on you. You've done something sufficiently bad that we think um, that there's enough evidence to potentially convict you of a crime kind of against the country um, in this political sense. That, in other words, that you... It, you should seriously be considered being removed from office by this body, by this legislative oversight body, i.e. Congress. Um, however, right now Congress is sitting on the articles of impeachment. The House of Representatives, in other words, has not sent the articles of impeachment to the Senate, and therefore the Senate cannot actually conduct the trial. Now this is fascinating, right? This is, to my knowledge, a first, right? We haven't impeached that many people, um, so it's already a historical moment, but for the House of Representatives to say, no, we're not going to send it to you. We've impeached the person, but we're not going to send you the articles of impeachment. Therefore, you can't conduct the trial yet is kind of new. Now, um, to some, this might just say, well, does the House of Rep Representatives not believe that they have a strong enough case? It might well be the case that they feel that way, right? That they've, that they've voted that the president should be impeached, meaning that the president is now charged with the crime, but 
they are in essence delaying the actual trial. Now maybe they're delaying it because they think more witnesses could end up coming forward or that more evidence might come up or that another article of impeachment, right, that some other issue might come up. Maybe they're doing that. We don't know entirely why Nancy Pelosi, right, so the Speaker of the House is kind of just holding on to it. Um, it might just be to kind of drive the president kind of crazy. Um, and this brings me to what I'm saying is kind of the problem with the process. So philosophically speaking, what's, what's the interest here? Well, the interest by my lights is the fact that since it's a political process and the people who decide what the process is going to look like, right, are the politicians and the people who do the voting um, to impeach the president are the politicians. And then the people who do the voting as to whether or not the president is guilty, right, the actual removal from office are another set of politicians. We end up in a kind of weird position, which is simply this. The people who are voting have a vested interest in how they vote that goes beyond the notion of justice. In other words, normally when you conduct a trial, um, theoretically both um, the people who are collecting the evidence to find the person guilty and the people who are collecting um, the evidence to find the person not guilty, that their main um, goal should be justice. Now, arguably, and this is where a lot of people I think kind of um, get annoyed with attorneys, you know, there's all these uh, lawyer jokes, no offense to anyone out there. Um, but, you know, since defense attorneys are being paid, there is an argument to be said that maybe justice isn't their main goal, right? Like, oh, well, if I, if I get this person off of these charges, more people will pay me to be their defense attorney. And so there's, there's always that kind of tension there. Whereas, you know, state and federal prosecutors, right, well, they're getting paid, but they're not getting, you know, bonuses and, and so on and so forth um, for, you know, for the most part. So uh, the, the whole kind of idea then is, is that the people who are charging this person with the crime theoretically have no real reason to find the person guilty other than they have good reason to believe that the person is guilty. Justice is the goal. Um, there would be a worry if the people who were um, deciding whether or not to charge the person with the crime um, had good reason to find that person guilty. In other words, that's why it's always kind of a worry to have um, uh, kind of political trials. So for say, for instance, um, we don't really want the Department of Justice to charge a former president with a crime because um, it ends up being kind of this issue of are we punishing people for their politics? Like, in other words, it, what, what happens if Donald Trump's uh, Department of Justice charges someone in Barack Obama's administration with a crime? How do we know it's not just them punishing them for being Democrats? How do we know it's legitimate, right? There's this worry that there's a uh, reason to be biased. Well, so the problem is, is the people who vote for um, uh, charging the person with the crime in the case of impeachment are politicians who have more reason to kind of be invested in how their constituents, right, the people who vote for them, how the people they represent are going to see their vote. So whether or not they actually think the person um, is guilty might be really, or, or that there's enough evidence to charge them with the crime is kind of irrelevant, presumably to a lot of these politicians, because the, the fact of the matter is, is they, what they know is, is that if they vote to charge the president with the crime and their, um, the people they re represent don't like that, well, then they're going to lose their office. Um, 
and or they know that if the people do like that, then they know that that's what. So what they're really trying to do is these politicians are kind of deciding whether or not to vote to impeach a president kind of based on what they think the people they represent would like. So on one hand, well, this is good because it means that they're trying to represent our will, right? I mean, that's literally the point, particularly of the House of Representatives. Um, but the negative is, is that nowhere in there is really justice other than the idea of like, there's oaths that they take to do these things, you know, in impartial ways. Um, but <laughs> the difference between like, taking an oath and actually living that oath tends to get a little dicey once people are politicians or human. <laughs> so uh, then there's a similar problem when the president is impeached and then goes to trial held by the Senate. The Senate sets up the rules, but they're also the jurors, right? So, and whoever's the majority party, they're the ones who really get to decide what the rules are. Same thing with the House of Representatives. So it would be kind of like um, either having, <laughs> I, what's happening right now is kind of as if, um, let's say the, the, the prosecutors got to decide whether or not to charge the person with the crime um, were people who kind of already disliked the person who they're charging the crime, like they kind of knew him. So that's already a little bit wonky. And then when you go to trial, the defense attorneys are also the majority of the jury, right? Because the Senate holds a trial and they, so they're, they're a lot of the people who are gonna be deciding like how the process goes, but also like deciding whether or not there's witnesses and interviewing witnesses and so on and so forth. But they're also the same people who vote on whether or not the president should be removed from office. And in addition to that, they are um, the same people who um, have a vested interest in representing what they think their state wants. And so they have less reason to be concerned about justice than they have to do have to be concerned about with what they think their their voters are going to want from them and they also take an oath and that they have to be impartial so on and so forth but whether or not that actually happens is really kind of up to them as individuals and the process is subject to them and there's a lot of evidence already that the, the fact that this process is more political than it is oriented in injustice or like maintaining kind of law and order, so on and so forth, that it's a political process, is the fact that you have so many of these politicians who, when it was Bill Clinton's impeachment, were acting like the process should be one way, and now they're acting like it should be another way. And so you get this on both sides of the aisle. Um, so Chuck Schumer, for instance, famously literally ran when he was when he was running for office, literally ran for office um, saying that a vote for him was a vote to not remove Bill Clinton from office. So, well, that is, there, there's a sense in which like that's really problematic, right? Because if you're saying like a vote for me is a vote for not guilty, that means that this person has already decided that the person was not guilty before they've seen the evidence, before the trial's been conducted, so on and so forth. And how can you say that, how can you swear to like kind of vote impartially in this trial if you're already telling your constituents a vote for me means that I'm going to vote this way? Like if you elect me, I'm definitely going to vote this way. So there's clearly nothing that has to do with justice or truth or integrity involved there. Um, but uh, similarly, you have people like Lindsey Graham who um, 
played a, a big role in uh, Clinton's impeachment, who was arguing that impeachment should be held certain in certain ways, and sometimes it should be behind closed doors. But now um, that uh, it's being done to a Republican president, is literally um, saying things that are the exact opposite of the things that he was saying uh, about the way the process should be. Um, now that it's uh, a member of his own party that has been impeached or and or was going through the process of being impeached. Um, the only thing that really accounts for this is um, this is what their constituents want to hear. Um, so this is a this is a huge problem over and over and over again. You have politicians who are challenging the process or or developing the process who are saying the exact opposite thing than what they were saying during Bill Clinton's impeachment on both sides of the aisle, really just illuminating the fact that the entire thing is a political process. And when they, you know, you have, so you have Republicans saying this is just a farce, it's all just a bunch of made up baloney, so on and so forth. But they're the ones making it up. And I don't mean just Republicans. I mean, the politicians are the ones that are, that, that are making it up. And they, I, what they all know is at the end of the day is that their political careers hinge on this. And so it's really kind of disingenuous for any Republican to complain about it um, when, uh, you know, during Bill Clinton's impeachment, they, they were doing the same exact thing. Or now that it's moving to the Senate, they are also acting in similar ways. And then the same can be true, said to be true of, of the Democrats, that if it was a Democratic president, right, they would probably have the same complaints and be using a lot of the same um, tools against Republicans. And so the whole thing ends up just being kind of this wild mess. Um, this isn't to say that the evidence isn't actually the evidence. I don't mean to say that any of this exonerates the president or any of this actually demonstrates that like, oh, it's just a sh sham or something like that. No, quite the contrary. That's kind of the comedy of it is, is the evidence actually is the evidence. And there is significant evidence, right? This uh, it's beyond this particular episode, but there's significant evidence here. The problem is, um, the actual process is getting caught in the, this kind of political um, issue of what are my voters going to think? And the people who get to make the decision, especially concernedly, like it's not, the House of Representatives process, interestingly enough, was actually the process that was developed by the Republicans for the impeachment of Bill Clinton. So I'm not as concerned about that process as I am concerned about the process of actually voting when the people who are going voting for whether or not um, Donald Trump is removed from office, when the people who are going to vote for whether or not Donald Trump is removed from office are themselves the same people who set up the trial and are themselves um, a majority who are already sympathetic to the president and are already saying that they would vote um, to find him not guilty. This isn't to say that Democrats wouldn't do the same thing um, uh, if if the situation was reversed. They probably would. So, um, okay, so what 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 do we have to, to say about all this? Well, well, one, I think if any of us honestly sit down and look at it, we have to recognize the fact that regardless of the fact that the system is definitely has got some significant problems here. It's a little weird to realize like, oh, okay, well, if Congress was a majority Democrats, he definitely would be found guilty. Now that Congress is um, mostly Republicans, he, he's definitely gonna be found not guilty. It's a little weird to kind of know that beforehand. Um, you kind of hope it's not the case 
you know, in the past, it seemed like it wasn't necessarily the case. Like Richard Nixon didn't have that kind of guarantee, quite the contrary, right? It was Republicans who went to him and said, listen, I'm sorry, the evidence is just too heavy. And they felt that um, the reason why they were willing to do that is, is because they knew that if they voted Nixon not guilty, their own people would vote them out of office. Um, I mean, maybe it had something to do with their belief in justice, but I think it's more likely that they just knew that their people, that the Nixon tapes, right, the evidence against Nixon was there. It was literally in his own voice, you know, <laughs> saying, you know, we're going to bribe and blackmail and, you know, we're going to scare these people. So his voice was on tape saying these things and the evidence was just too strong. And his, his so the, the senators knew that they couldn't vote for him as not guilty without paying a significant political price, in other words, without losing office. So that is part of why the process is really starting to fail now. It's not so much because of like something I think inherently wrong with the process. I don't think it's something inherently wrong with Democrats or something inherently wrong with Republicans. It's actually kind of something inherently wrong with us, right? In other words, pretty much we've hit a point in um, the political world where um, the de Democrat politicians know that if they vote for him as not guilty, even if they don't think there's enough evidence, um, it's going to cost them their office, right? Because the the Democrat base, right, the people who are hardcore Democrats, they're not going to have any patience for that, and they're going to vote for this person out of office. But the same is true, maybe even more virulently, uh, amongst Republicans, right, where these Republican politicians know that if they vote, even if they think that there's an overwhelming amount of evidence against the president, these senators know that if they vote to find the president guilty and therefore removed from office, they themselves will be will lose their elections. Um, so the weird thing that both sides know, though, is that there is pretty much nothing that can be done to change our minds is what it really comes down to. There's nothing that can be done to change the minds of their voters. In other words, the if you look at every poll, no matter what has happened, um, Donald Trump's approval rating barely changes. Um, his The disapproval amongst Democrats really doesn't change and the approval amongst Republicans stays locked tight. It does not matter what he does, right? So if he does something good, doesn't really change any Democrat minds. If he does something bad, it doesn't really change any Republican minds. So what these politicians now know is, is it doesn't, I mean, they all know it doesn't matter what evidence is, uh, goes out there. They do either one of two things, either they actually vote their con conscience based on the evidence or they vote like politicians based on whether or not they think they're going to get reelected based on their vote. Uh, given the fact that they are, some of the most successful politicians in the world by virtue of being senators. Uh, they know the game. They know the game well. They know how to survive. That's how they got where they are. They're probably, and I, I, don't, I don't mean to be cynical, I'm thinking that most of them are probably going to vote based on what they think is actually going to get them reelected. And since they know, I mean, there's pretty much nothing that could come out about Donald Trump that's going to change Republicans' minds. Um, and I would be genuinely surprised if there was anything out there that would change Democrats' minds. So it's kind of a foregone conclusion and the system starts to break down because, not because the politicians are, are evil or something like that, but because they are actually representing um, our will. They are actually effectively representing our will, which is um, 
basically, right, those of us who don't like Donald Trump are like kind of no matter what, doesn't matter, my mind won't be changed. Those of us who like Donald Trump, no, it doesn't matter, no matter what, my mind won't be changed. And Congress is exactly reflecting uh, what we are actually doing. And it's funny because Congress tends to have notoriously low approval rates. And I can't help sometimes if, one, if I wonder what, if part of the reason why Congress does have such a low approval rating is because it's really kind of looking like looking in the mirror to a certain extent, right? They, particularly the House of Representatives, they are voted in every two years. They're voted in by their districts, um, so, you know, so by very, fairly small groups in comparison with senators. It's basically kind of looking at, at the country and its own dysfunction, right? The dysfunction in Congress is a reflection of dysfunction of the country. What do I mean by that? So, in other words, look at like Thanksgiving dinner and how people have really kind of come to dread it over the last three years. And you might be able to kind of like blame Donald Trump for that, but I think it got kind of goes beyond that. What I mean is like, look at Thanksgiving, like at Christmas, looking at how um, people are like fighting with friends and family over politics, right? Everything's become really pretty broken in terms of our ability to dialogue. In other words, Congress kind of is like uh, a model of, of Christmas dinner or a Thanksgiving dinner, where you have people who are just like unwilling to talk to each other, screaming at each other, accusing uh, people of stuff and ignoring evidence. It wouldn't matter what evidence came out. So Congress is basically just like a big <laughs> federal version of what it's like for, you know, me to me to go home for Thanksgiving. And so that to me is, I think, part of the most tragic part. You know, something I was thinking about over the holiday was just how well the way the process kind of clearly isn't working and the and the and the fact that part of the reason why it isn't working is because the economy is the economy in other words the economy is doing pretty well so um people are going to continue kind of being fans of say of donald trump it doesn't matter right uh one of the best predictors of an election is um how people's wallets are doing right like how much money people people have, you know, how their 401ks are doing. And so you, you can pretty much look at an election and look at an, at the economy and if the economy is doing well, whoever's in power will probably stay in power. If the economy is doing poorly, then whoever's in power will probably be removed from office as a general kind of rule of thumb. And to me, that's really strange. In other words, why do we look at our economy as the best means by which to determine if the country is doing well and therefore then um, the means by which we determine whether or not our politicians should stay, stay in office. Um, because by almost any other measure, our country isn't doing so hot. Like when, when we think about it, okay, yeah, the economy is, is doing pretty well and, and, and it's been doing pretty, you know, it's been, it's been improving ever since the Great Recession through Barack Obama and now through three years of President Trump. The economy is doing pretty well. But that really isn't the only uh, means by which to judge how well a country is doing. You could look at um, uh, incidences of internal violence. Um, you could also look at like uh, poverty. But one thing I think that you could just simply look at is you could just kind of ask people, how's your family doing? And, and I don't mean in a sense of, you know, some sort of fa family value sense. I mean, like, how are your family get togethers going? Do you dread them more than you did um, five years ago? Um, how are you doing with your friends? How are you doing? Do, do, you, do you find yourself more concerned um, bringing up controversial questions in class? Now, do you 
do you find that you have more difficulty talking with your parents? Do you feel less safe uh, being on Facebook, posting something uh, for fear that, you know, uh, family members might respond negatively or in a way that makes fun of you? And I think a lot of us would end up saying, yeah, actually my family life in a lot of ways, especially with my extended family, is just worse. It's just much worse than it, than it was. So yeah, okay, maybe the country's doing economically better, but um, are we as a people doing better? And then the dysfunction that's happening in Congress, particularly through kind of the impeachment pro process, that we're, we're it's basically just a, a way of kind of illuminating that fact, that we don't have dialogue, that evidence doesn't matter to us, um, that we're just gonna kind of vote however we're gonna vote on whatever side we happen to be on, and it doesn't really matter what anyone says anymore. And that if anyone says something with which we disagree, we're more likely to scream at them than to go, huh, someone I respect, someone I care about disagrees with me, I wonder what kind of evidence they might have that might change my mind. So it makes one wonder if maybe now would be an excellent time for us to, to, to pause for a second and ask ourselves if the only means by which we should judge how we're doing as a nation is simply based on our economy. Because our politicians are just gonna kind of follow our lead. And if we don't start kind of demanding from them, like, no, I want politicians who are thoughtful. I want politicians who are motivated by evidence. I want politicians who are good examples for my children. In other words, I would like to see my child act like this person. Um, I want them to, you know, treat other people with this level of dignity. I want them to show this kind of kindness. I want them to show this level of thoughtfulness. Um, if we if we don't demand that of them, if we don't demand that of ourselves, uh, well, of course, the, there isn't going to be a dialogue in Congress. Anyways, so I've gone on a little bit too long. There's just a lot to be said here. Uh, I would love your thoughts and comments. Uh, a lot of a lot of stuff to unpack. So. I appreciate you taking the time to listen and I hope you have a wonderful week.